Welcome back to Season 2 of FYI, All Things Mental Wellness. Today's episode is powered by the amazing team at Brad Andrews Landscaping. You can check them out at bradandrewslandscaping.com.au. And now, on with the show. If you or a loved one need mental health assistance or are experiencing a mental health crisis, call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hello and welcome to our new season of FYI, All Things Mental Wellness. With the new season comes a new co-host and what a guy he is. He's a well-known local chef, footballer, husband and a father of two gorgeous girls. He boasts a passion for mental wellness that can't be ignored. He walks the talk and really puts his whole self into anything he represents in this field. When we were in search for a co-host, we didn't look past him. Dave Cappé, welcome to FYI. Uh, yeah, what a warm welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's Pleasure. Uh, it really is an honour to, to be here and represent what we're doing and uh, look forward to making whatever difference we can. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt, Dave, we'll um, learn a little bit more about you as as we interview other guests as well, because part of us come, come out in, in our chats with our guests, but... Without any further ado, I guess we should introduce our first guest for our second season. He wears several hats in life. Firstly, he's a little bit on his cricket resume, which is far too lengthy to go through in its entirety. So just some highlights of his career to date are he's the current chairman, hobnob, big boy, whatever you want to call it, of Cricket Aubrey Wodonga, and he has been since 2010. He's also a life member of Cricket Aubrey Wodonga. He's the chair of Riverina Cricket Zone, vice chair of New South Wales Country and chair for North East Knights. On his watch, lots evolved in the local cricket, such as the merger of Aubrey Wodonga Associations, more turf wickets added to the area, the going from a two-piece ball to a four-piece ball, just to name a few. His senior playing days began at Bandiana in the 80s, I believe, until they folded, which then he set up Wodonga West Warriors Cricket Club. And with time, uh, eventually the Wodonga West Warriors merged with Wodonga Raiders Cricket Club as we know them today. A self-confessed straight shooter who loves a rum and a punt, a personality larger than life and a heart as big as Farlap. I can't wait to get stuck into this conversation about the biggest love of his life, his beautiful wife, Anthea, and her diagnosis, and how life at home looks for him. Michael Erdeljack, welcome to FYI. <laughs> okay, welcome. Thanks very much. That, <laughs> there's a fair bit of stuff there. I suppose most of it is true. That's fine. Um, yeah. It's been tough, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. When um, I contacted a few of your long-lost allies, the information that I was given was just, I couldn't even get through it all. I really did narrow it down. But I guess to say you have changed cricket in Aubrey Wodonga for the better and, you know, just brought so much to the local area is is probably selling, selling you short. I know you can't do it alone. You've got a good team behind you, but you really are the face of cricket Aubrey Wodonga. And that part is probably true. It's annoying for me. I do get 
called Mr. Cricket now, which is a pain in the ass, but that should belong to other people prior to my time. Working with cricket has been a long journey in Orby Wodonga. We were there with the merger in 2006 and seven with Michael O'Donnell. I was on the original board. And then he came up to me in 2009 and said, look, I really can't do this. I think you can. Uh, you've got ideas to change everything. And he said, you're a straight shooter and you're either going to upset a lot of people and piss them off or you're going to upset a lot of people and make them happy. And I think it was the second one where we have merged. We are one of the largest associations between Melbourne and Sydney. We have on any given weekend 4,000 people involved in cricket. We do control cricket from Mount Beauty to Lockhart and from Corowa to Estale, so it's quite large. We do have three tiers of cricket, as you know, because you're involved. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, I think our crowning glory is sitting probably three k's from here. We're Wodonga City Council in conjunction with Albury City Council and Cricket New South Wales and Cricket Victoria and Cricket Australia spent just under $4 million and built a facility which is now being used by all our cricketing I oh, know, cricketing people, cricketing mm. people, that's another word there. And actually to see it being used, not by the Robbie Jacksons and the Michael Ertle Jacks, but to be seen that used by the 12 and 13-year-old boys and girls knowing that I now have built something for them, that instead of mum and dad and I use my son Noah, who's a very good hockey player, we had to go to Canberra or Melbourne every time he made a state side. Now that they can actually make the state sides and the coaches can come here, because we actually have the facilities for them in Orby Wodonga. Mm. And I think my crowning glory is the sign. It's got Orby City Council up there. They, they've put a six-figure sum into Wodonga, which last mm. time I looked on the other side of the river. So to me, that's the most important that's part of that huge. one. That's huge. Not a lot of people know that. Up. So it's just but the sign's there because you've got Cricket New South Wales and Orby City Council funding a sporting project mm. in mm. Victoria. Big. Yeah, that's that's huge. It's like I said, I don't know that it's heard of. I, I... No, not many do. But you yeah. know, like I banged on a lot of doors, and you have to front up the council meetings. And how do I say this? I'm probably black and white. It's like if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, and shits like a duck, it's a duck. Yep. So you just laid that out to the councillors, and they didn't want to deal with it. How am I going to say that? It's not they didn't want to deal with it. They were told they were given instructions not to accept it. But then they ask questions and you answer the questions that cricket brings between twenty and thirty million dollars a year into the community of Orby Wodonga and another five to eight million dollars in the surrounding areas, mm. all of a sudden They have to listen. That's exactly right. And mm. back then with the former mayors of Wodonga and Aubrey, they were really, really good to us. So I'll leave it at that. That's good. That's, That's fantastic. good to hear. And, you know, when, when you say, you know, you knew personally what, what the miles you've got to do with your young fella playing hockey, how good's that for regional? You know, because any time we make any form of team that's outside of local cricket, there's a lot of travel involved and that's, that's huge in itself. Well, I, I worked on this one and this is me and this is why I really, really pushed this. I've played footy and cricket since I was a kid. Yes, I'm a kid. I left home when I was 15, went to Koryong, did all that. But, and you're a footballer. So in this area here, we've produced over 200 AFL footballers in the last 50 years without blinking an eyelid from all Wibadonga and surrounding areas. How many first-class cricketers we've produced? Four. Over the same period of time. Now, to me, that never made any sense. Well, for a good at footy, we'd have to be good at cricket. Mm. And then I sit down there and I'm on the boards and you go to meetings and I go to meetings in Griffith and Wagga and Wangaratta and Benalla and Shepparton and 
you ask questions and, oh, no, you're from over long. You just, you'll, you'll be told. We'll tell you what to do. And I'm thinking, what, what goes on here? Then you work out that our best kids go away to the next level. So they get picked at the Albury-Wodonga side and we'll go to Wangaratta or we'll go to Wagga. And the kids, the next coaches from the next level aren't from Albury-Wodonga, but they're from Wagga or they're from Griffith or they're from Shepparton or they're from Wangaratta. So the next lot of kids, when they pick six or seven kids, they're all picked not from Albury-Wodonga. They're picked from outside areas. And to me, that never just never made sense. We just couldn't be that good. So now we've changed a lot of things. And I had meetings with people in Wangaratta and fairly heated meetings. And I said, well, once we merge and we put this together, we'll be bigger than you. Because you know, back in the old days, you had Wangaratta and Benalla and Yarrawonga Associations and Wodonga and Ovens and King and Mansfield and all that. And I had the same meetings in Wagga because I had guys from Cootamundra and Tamora telling us how we had to run our cricket. And it made no sense. So then the only problem is you have to go through all the constitutions and you've got to read all the rules and you have to front up to a meeting and... You go to a meeting to change, we'll say, instead of red phone covers, we have to have blue phone covers. And here's a guy from Griffith, oh, no, I've got uh, 10 proxy votes because I've got, you know, 10 life members that aren't at the meeting, but I can carry their votes. And you go, how does this happen? So we did change all that. And to be fair, it's probably made cricket all be Wodonga where it is. And if you put Griffith, Wagga and Wangaratta together, they're still not the size of cricket all be Wodonga. So now... We're the big dog in the room and they actually have to listen to us. And mm. that might upset people and I don't care because, as I say, I'm on the board of cricket, Country Cricket New South Wales and everything else, is that when I go away, it's Albury-Wodonga first, Riverina second, New South Wales third. And when I go to Melbourne, it's Albury-Wodonga first, North East Region sixth, second, Victoria third. So it's about us. So our kids will always get looked after from us. That's what we built. Yeah, well that's done. awesome. Different. But it seems to be working and we have a lot of people underneath us that have supported us all the way. Guys like Robbie Jackson, Sam O'Connor, Dylan Weeding, John McMillan, the list can go on and on. But they've bought into the program that if we can build it, they will come and actually it really happens. Mm. We have a facility that's used four to six hours from three o'clock to nine o'clock every night of the week. So maybe something works. Mm. And, and shows that it was needed as well. You know, if it's being used that amount of time, it's it was obviously required. I was definitely required and definitely needed. It's just getting counsel, and I'm going to cross the line here, so I'm probably going to do that more than once tonight, <laughs> is that you go to counsel and they build the first part. So Cricket Australia, Cricket Victoria put in half a million dollars, Cricket New South Wales put in 100000 Orby City Council throws in a couple hundred thousand. We build the first section for about $1.95 million. But then you need a car park and then you need the outdoor turf nets and then you need the outdoor hard wickets and then you need the fencing, then you need the lights, then you need the new road. Oh, but we can't get that money now. And then I made a proposition to the Wodonga mayor and then made the proposition to the Albury mayor that if I could get the councils to agree to put the extra funding in so if Wodonga would put in this much, I'd get Albury to match it. I was told it was never going to happen. Well, you've seen the facility, so I'll just say that it mm. did happen. And now it's just benefits everyone from – we have kids coming down from Estale, Cancoban, Coriong. They're driving over from Yarrawonga, Mawala. It's just fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Now you've done very, very well and obviously a team behind you, of course. Oh, absolutely. It's not yeah. just me. There's, no, no. There's, but, I have but a whole you need board. that driver. You need that relentless leader that's going to front up to those meetings that's going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. In the movement. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. also – knowing your answers to the questions that you think they're going to answer, mm. ask you and then have the other answers. Like yep. 
the meeting with the Albury City Council was the scariest one because I did not know what was going to go on. And I won't mention the councillors, but one of them's not there anymore. Actually, two of them aren't. And they said, oh, we've been told to vote against this. And yet you normally have 10, I think it's either 10 or 15 minutes when you speak, and I end up speaking for nearly 45 minutes because they kept asking questions. And in the end, the two that said they weren't going to give us the money were the two that put up the nomination to give us the money, if that made sense. So we're pretty happy with that. Right. Yeah, anyhow. Awesome outcome. So we could sit here and talk cricket all day, Michael, no. but Dave yeah. wouldn't be too impressed because oh, cricket's not his yeah. thing. <laughs> but it, it's it's not about cricket. It's it's about what you've built and and you know that resilience. I guess that, that you saw what was needed and that drive and that motivation to continue. And if anyone hasn't been down to the hub, it, it is worth the drive. It is yeah. It's some facility we should all be proud of. And have you have you seen a, a massive spike in? Youth, youth cricket now coming through? Oh, it's not the massive spike. It's the amount of people using it that we didn't think would use it. We were told by certain, oh, it's going to be a white elephant, no one's going to do this, it's going to cost you all these deals. And a lot of planning was put in at the start with council and with local government areas of what we could do with power and energy. Like I've got a facility where there's a 100 kilowatts power system on the roof and I've had Indigo Power supply that and pay for it where they get the power, but I've got a special power deal where I'm paying less than 11 cents a kilowatt hour, so I'm very happy on that. And we've done some signings and sponsorships internally with Northeast Water and you know, Origin Energy and everything else. So a lot of stuff can be put together to work, but what we're looking at now is the benefit that our kids, our under-13s, our under-14s, our under-15s, our under-16s, our under-18s, male and female, that when they go away to carnivals, we're not coming last. We, we, are, we haven't had to train, and I'm, I'll use old school here, we haven't had to train at the back of Wodonga High or the back mm. of Wodonga Tech. Our kids are now training in elite facilities yeah. and all of a sudden all the Wodonga kids aren't been last and they've been looked at. So that's mm. the benefit. The, and the real benefit will be in three or four years' time when kids that are 12, 13, 14 now are 17, 18, 19 and they're playing in state sides and they're playing in Premier First Grade and Premier Absolutely. in Melbourne City. That's the benefit for us, male and female, like Ebony Hoskin and, Young Fitzsimmons at the moment. They're guys, guys and girls have come from Albury Wodonga and have gone to the next level. Mm. Just stuff yeah. like that. Good stuff. So um, I, I guess we, we we wanted you here to talk cricket, of course, because that, that, that's a fantastic story in itself of perseverance and, and, you know, pushing something that you really believed in for the area. But oh, as I said in the introduction, I want to have a chat to you about, you know, your biggest love of your life, which mm. is your beautiful wife, Anthea. And and for those that, that aren't aware, I would hate to, to um, give the wrong diagnosis, but can you tell us what Anthea was diagnosed with, what, Just five, six years ago? Six years ago. Six years ago. Uh, Christmas, Jesus, Christmas 2015. We were playing cards. We've always played 500 and bridge and she couldn't play. And it made no sense. And we said, come on, you've been stupid. She did not know what the cards were. And we have very good friends who are doctors because Auntie used to work for John Russell and Rob McGregor and Henry Duncan, all those, so the urologists and the neurology. So we made a few phone calls and we did some tests here in Albury. Then we end up in Melbourne. And she was diagnosed with early onset dementia, which was a bit of a shock. And it's not an easy thing to see in front of everyone. Uh, that your wife hadn't, her memory was going to decline. So in young people, if you get dementia, basically it's a very steady arrow 
but it's a very quick process between 18 months and three years normally. Uh, with older people, it's the same, but obviously there's drugs and other programs now and we have it so my wife could be on a level for three months, six months and then drop a little bit and we just work our way along and we work our way backwards. Like she was diagnosed at 50 and she's 56 now and I'm going to be blunt how I say this and she'll never hear this so it's fine. But I've gone from living with a 50-year-old woman to living with a three-year-old child over the last six years, and it's deteriorating quite rapidly as we speak. So just go back a minute, if we can, Michael. So at 50, I mean, I don't know a lot about dementia, but that seems very young. Is that is it a young age? Oh, it is. They have early onset. But look, again, I'm black and white in this. I've got friends whose parents have got it at 75, 80, 85, mm. and they've had a great life, mm. and it's been hard on them. This is different when it's your wife and it's the kid's mum who's in front of them. At, she's always got their names. That's not a problem, but she can't remember what she's done 20 seconds ago. Mm. So, How old were the kids? Ah, uh, God, that's a good one. Uh, what are they now, 22 and 26? So they would have been 17 and 21. Yeah, That's okay. right, yeah. Don't panic, my yep. mass. I'm normally pretty good. And it was very hard on them. Like Noah uh, was the youngest one. He was still at school. He was very emotional and it got pretty hard. Ethan's a bit older and probably a bit smarter and he helps me a lot now. We've had to go through a complete change of life over the last six years to we do the same thing. There's a routine that keeps dementia people in a process of what we do. But the drugs also change Anthea from she's probably we're probably on top of it now but as you know when you change drugs and everything else so she put a lot of weight on she got very upset and cranky that nothing fitted and then she couldn't get dressed and then she couldn't put her own clothes on and and we have friends you know Catherine Chalmers and Carmel Duck and Ange Lawrence and Sandra Starr who came around to my place one afternoon and we just went through all the clothes and we had to get rid of the clothes that she couldn't wear and it was a very emotional day and they all get very upset And because we've all played footy together out at Wild Bundry and everything else like that, all, you know, been through kids being born. So it was tough to start with and then, you know, like you're driving to the Royal Melbourne, Anthea was put on a program where they did um, testing for new drugs. We, we nominated for that. So that's, you know, you get in the car, three hours to Melbourne, you're at the Royal Children, not Royal Children's, Royal Melbourne's for a day or two days and we came back. That was for 12 months. And then you work out how your life's going to be and I work my life now in blocks of one day, seven days and 28 days. That's as far forward as I can go on anything because someone has to look after Anthea every day. And now in the last 18 months, it's it's 24-hour care. It's just sounds, it's a lot to yeah. take in. How do you balance everything? The first part of our conversation was how heavy, heavily involved in Mr. Cricket and how do you balance I'm, every day? Okay, so I'm probably lucky that I'm in charge of cricket because I could change cricket to suit me. So if I give you an average day of my life, and don't take this wrong how I say, I mightn't get out of bed till 9, 9.30 in the morning. I'll get up. I'll, most people know this now. I'll make phone calls for about an hour. I'll get Anthea out of bed about 10 o'clock, we'll get dressed, we'll go down to the sunroom and the NDIS lady will come out, uh, what's today? Today's Tuesday, so it's Millie. She'll get there around 10, 
and then we'll do a whole routine. We feed our cats and dogs, then we go and feed our chickens, then we go down and feed the horses, then we go over and feed the sheep and the alpacas. It takes an hour and a half, and we just so, so sorry, Mark. That that includes Anthea as well as in the whole lot. Self. She she is in the whole lot with us, the whole lot. She can't open the food or anything else like that, but she's very proud that when we're in the stable, she actually gets the combine chaff out of the bag and puts it in mm. the bucket. So that's all she can do. But mm. she but she does that every day. She knows that's her job to do, and then she brings the feed over to squirt one of the horses. But we do that, and then when we're in the paddock with the sheep and the alpacas, the girl. The Indian school would be with the auntie with the alpacas and the sheep, and I'll get on the phone for half an hour and go for a walk around, make the phone calls. Then we'll get back. We'll go up up to the house. We'll have our she have her drugs and some lunch, a little bit of break. Oh, late breakfast, and then I'll be on the phone for another hour. And then she will have shower and everything else. And we work for a process, and I'll go into town and have lunch, and then I'll go into town go to work. They will get back about. 5.30, 6 o'clock or anywhere around that, and Ethan's at home. The girls will stay and until about 6, and then Aunt Ethan will look after Auntie. They'll go to the lounge room and watch TV. I'll be honest, I'll probably leave the cricket hub around half past 5, 6 o'clock. I will probably go via the new market on the way home and have two drinks like I do nearly every day, and then I'll pick up tea. I used to cook, but now it's I've worked. It's just as easy to go to Green Street once a week, Taco Bills once a week, Subway once a week. We just do the same yeah. stuff. And, and we always ring Anthea and say, what would you like? And uh, like Monday nights, would you like snits or would you like – and she'll pick something because she has to, can only eat with her hands. Yep. And um, we would do that and then we will watch TV till about 10, 10.30 and then Anthea will go to bed and I'll probably stay up for watch a bit more whatever I'm watching then I'll work until one thirty, two o'clock in the morning and then I'll go to bed then. So that's why I get out of bed at half past nine. So, And we do that six days a week because – that's the deck of cards you do. That's what you do. And it's and it's hard on myself, but it's also hard on the kids. Like Noah's in Melbourne playing hockey for a premier grade club in Melbourne. He's made the Australian countryside to travel overseas. He's made the Victorian indoor side. He's in the squad for the Australian indoor side. So he has his life to live in Melbourne and we do that. And Ethan, who helps us up here, he, he's very, very smart and he plays his computer games and stuff like that. But he knows now, like, I think he's going to some concert in Adelaide next week, but he'd written it up and so we'll plan that he goes away for three days that I'll have someone else come out for a couple of hours here and there and just fill in. So I have been lucky in that with NDIS. How am I going to say this? When I started on NDIS, I thought it was an absolute disgrace because you were told what you had to do and all they were worried about was how much money you had and how many hours you can get in this and stuff and that, and you're having people front up at your house, you didn't know who they were, and and your wife's obviously got dementia, so it's not easy. But after three months, I complained and spoke to some people and I got to self-manage. So I've been able to hire people that Anthea knows to look after her every day. Mm. So that's that's a very big thing in my life. And you know, Sandra Morrison, Millie Keynes, Louise Kosh, and Paula Ziegel, they're my backbone because without them, I can't do anything. And we've been through two years of COVID, and, and before that was Miller Reed because she's left. A young girl, she did three years, which was phenomenal for her. I thought that we went through this whole process, and when we do everything, I liaise with them. So what do you think we're going to do this week? So obviously a friend of mine's Alan Andres. He has a pretty good racehorse called Alligator Blood. You might know the horse. You might not. Yeah, heard a lot about it over right, the Yeah, okay. So we've been in a few places. But like – 
two weeks ago was Cox Plate Day. Now, we've all had tickets to the Cox Plate. My wife wants to go. Yep, right. So the girls have come out. We've all got dressed. They've dressed up. You know, it's just not – as a man, I – Probably be very rude. I put jeans on my wife with a bra and a shirt and a little bit of makeup. I'm not very good, right? <laughs> Whereas you're going down to, you know, Mooney Valley. So yeah. the girls will come out and they do a hair and everything. So then it's three and a half hours in a car. You drive down to Mooney Valley, you get out, you go in, and, you know, we get looked after, but we've got special seats. But they were bench seats like a park bench. Oh, uh, right. So she couldn't get in, right? So you have to organize little things like that. Then they realize and, got, and we're there for five and a half hours, which is fantastic. Then we turn around and come home. So it's a 12-hour day to do it. And two weeks before that, one of her nieces got married and then four weeks. So you plan to a day and you mm. work to that day because she knows it's coming. Mm. Oh, we're going to the races. We're going to the races. I want to go to the races. So or someone's getting married. And when she knows it's – and I don't know how it works, but it gets in her head, it's there and it stays there. And until we do it, I'm up shit creek unless we do it, if that yeah. makes sense. So, it's incredible, isn't it, to think that the, you know, and again, not not understanding dementia um, enough, but that sounds incredible, doesn't it, yeah. that, you know, it, it affects her memory, yet you tell her something and she's not going to forget it. No, do you do it? It drives me nuts. Like, Trust me. You've got to be careful what you promise. Oh, fair income. You're <laughs> welcome to my world. Like, and, and that's why we'll, we'll ask for, about tea because, you know, like, I like my Chinese from Ocean City. I like my Mexican yep. from Taco Bills, Ban Thai for my Indonesian. So it's not hard, but oh no, no, I didn't want that. Oh, no, I don't like that. Oh shit! So you've got to <laughs> so you plan everything. So we've learnt to ask and work our way through it. Even the girls like she likes spaghetti on toast for breakfast, but now she doesn't want that. So there's just little things we work with. The only asset is this is really bad how I say this, but when she gets cranky and shitty, or yells at me or anything else. You know that's not going to be there in 20 minutes. That's probably the only yeah. good aspect of what we have. Mm. The other hard one is obviously I go away to Sydney and Brisbane for Cricket Australia or Cricket New South Wales or Cricket Victoria. I have a sister replace me. You can't. She's, you've got to always got to have someone there. So her sister, Regina Bell, which is Peter Collins's twin sister, she'll just drive up from Yay. I get on the plane. She takes over for the two days and we just – look, we've worked it out. We're in a routine that – will work until whatever happens, happens, and we're getting to that point now of where something will probably happen. But it's changed a lot of lives. It's And, again, you've known me long enough, so have you. Patience is not a virtue. <laughs> that I, I actually have a shirt that says, Patience is a virtue that belong to women, fishermen, and motor mechanics. <laughs> I'm none of, and there's a couple of swear words, the above, because I don't have any patience. I have learnt yeah. to count to ten, Take a deep breath and just work through the and, process. And I think, too, from an outsider looking in, that's where a lot of my admiration comes from, knowing your personality mm-hmm. as well. That's major adjustments. I know we'd all say we do it. It's our, it's the love of our life, yeah. of course. But you had a lot of personal adjustments to yes. make as well because your personality is a little like that and that's okay. So... I, I agree with that. My person, I'm a little bit abrupt, and I can accept that because you know, with longer cricket club or any cricket club I've been to, they all know me. The asset is the cricketing family has been very good here, um, and that's why the rain's probably pissed me off more than most. Not because we haven't played; it's just that she knows it's Saturdays, and we've been going to the horse races, 
but she's expecting to go to cricket and she hasn't been able to go to cricket. So mm. we go to Wodonga, we see Mrs. Craig or we go to St. Mm. Pat's and run into Carla Weldon or we'll, we'll go to North Albury or we'll go to, we go to all the grounds and everyone knows my wife and she's made feel happy. And when she knows where she is, she's more relaxed and happy. Like I was in, I had to go to Brisbane last week and um, Regina came up and Auntie was just cranky and shitty in the middle of like, where is he and all this? I was in Brisbane to be home tomorrow. And then Sandra Morrison was looking after her because Regina went back and Sandra took over. And she, she said, she said oh, I want to go to, we'll have lunch at my pub. And Sandra goes, what do you mean? Well, my pub. We want, I want to go to my pub. And she worked, that was the new market because that's where we yeah. drink. And she went there and she was just happy because when she walked in, people said, hi, Auntie. They knew who she mm. was. They spoke to her. And fair enough, I got off the plane. Uh, they rang me and told me she was there, so I just dropped in for 10 minutes and everything was fine. So there's still remnants of who she was, yeah, which yeah. is really hard because sometimes you don't know when they're going to pop up. Yeah. It's, that's, it's that's a process. tricky, isn't it? Well, there's a couple other words I could use. <sighs> Tricky's been very nice. How, how was how was Anthea in the beginning with the nurses for strangers coming to the house? Oh, she day, was rapable. So when she knew something wasn't right and even in there she was still driving which is just, holy shit, that's scary. Because, now she was a great job. Because my wife rode horses and she drove all around Australia. She was very good in dressage, like, to the top level. And I'm in a car with her there and we're at the corner. Uh, is it Macaulay and Varela Road? What's that? Guinea Street. So Macaulay and Guinea. Yeah, the lights come up. The green arrow pops up. She just goes straight across. And I've gone, what the? Oh, the light's green. I said, no, nah, the arrow's green. And so then we took the license off her, which that – that was the end of her mobility and that was the start of the first steps. And then you get the people that come out for four hours a day to start with. It just gave me time because she could still go for a walk and still do things herself. Oh, I don't like that person. Oh, I, I don't know that person. You know, she's no good. And she's always mm. you know, having a crowd. And that's fine because it's our house. That's where she lives. Yeah. She'll tell them what to do. As soon as I could get into having someone that we knew, like, so the first one was Lucy Chalmers, which is Chuck and Kathy Chalmers' daughter. She worked about the first six months. So she had someone with her every day that she knew. Yeah. And from that point on, we've worked out that's how it works and that's the yep. best we can do. Familiarity. And, oh, jeez. And it just works. It's the only way it works. And like I said, we learn to do things now at one step at a time. Mm. Like the processes are mm. – Quite intense. Yeah, I bet. So I, I guess, you know, as, as time goes on, you did mention that things change and there has been a deterioration yeah. and perhaps you, you'll be looking at is that going to look like more care? Can it still be in-house care and how's that going to look? Do I, you know? Yeah, I do know. So yeah. we've over the last 12 months we've gone from being able to, again, this is personal, so we've mm. gone been able to – Shower herself to she can't shower herself. Mm. She can't go to the toilet by herself. She can't get dressed. She can't clean her teeth. She can't do any of that. So we're in that process of doing that. It's, it'll be to the point when her body loses control of what she does, and that hasn't happened yet, that that'll be probably too much for Ethan and myself. And we've had, we've spoken to NDIS and NDIA, and they've gone through the whole process and they explain this is what's going to happen. And Rebecca McGowan, who's Anthea's doctor, has – Anthea and Rebecca are best friends, but 
Rebecca said to her, oh, you're going to have to go to the home, and she basically told her to go and get mm. in the room. And I'm not going back to Rebecca. We still go back. <laughs> I'm not going back. She's a bitch and everything She's else. Off there. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking. I'm, I'll go see Adrian. I said, no, no, Doc's fine. You go see Rebecca. We'll leave Doc out of this. And she kind of knows herself, but it's like when we had the shower, we had to get the handheld pieces that you move around. And she just abused us for two weeks. So the girls couldn't shower. They couldn't go in there. So it had to be me every day. And then after about two weeks, she didn't say anything. So we, I let Sandra one day give her a share. So there's a process we know where there'll be a pain in the ass. Mm. Yep. And then it just drops off and levels out. The housing part, like I've had friends that I've, oh, they're from McGann's from Corriong. Yvonne McGann had a stroke and she was in Barella House. And I used to go see her occasionally. And um, there was people in there that had dementia and they were married and they didn't even know who they were. And that's just wrong. And there's, you shouldn't be there. But the issue that I have is I had planned, I'd spoken to Talangata Health, Upper Murray Health, girl from Corriong, we put her at Talangata overlooking the weir. I can't put her in there because their aged care, Antia's under 65, under the new rules, she has to go into specific housing. Um, and the, there's some in Aubrey and there's some in Wodonga, but it'll be a interesting process when it happens because relief will be one aspect of what you'll be feeling and I think that will probably affect Ethan more than me because he's put everything on hold for three years to help me where I've been still able to run cricket, change it to suit me but still run it where he's his life revolves around looking after his mum from five o'clock till half past seven every day. It's – there's words for it here, I, I don't know. It's just not right but relief was one side of the table and then you're going, to, you're going to feel like an absolute prick on the other side because you've put your wife in a home and you know it's your wife that you put in the home. Does that make sense? And you're torn between both because you know this is what you have to do, but you don't want to do it because you know you're going to stuff yourself up on that side. Does that make sense? And then you're dealing with, you know, she has four brothers and a sister, Regina, Bruce, Mark, Phil and Peter. We've spoken to them all. They all know where we stand and decisions you have to make in that with doctors, we've put in the no recovery if there's an issue, no resuscitation, we, and we had the conversation with their family about that and plus Ethan and Noah because she d won't know what's happening. That's it's, – it's just hard. I know <sighs> there's other words I could say, I'm sorry, but you've got to do what's best for her, but I also have to do what's best for Ethan and Noah and in the end, I've probably got to do what's best for myself. But I'm the last one in the line, if that makes sense. This is all about Anthea at the moment. Does that make sense? Mm. Sorry. Yes. Nah, I'll, uh, I'll take over while Nads recovers a bit. <laughs> no, um, sorry. The, the, pressure for the, the pressure for your boys you know, sounds like a lot of responsibility for such a young man. It is. Yeah. And- I give credit to the Australian government and NDIS because I don't know where you'd be without it, but we look after Anthea 24 hours a day now. And Ethan, I know he does that 5.30 to 7 or whatever it is until I get home. It's very, very hard on him because his life is put on hold for two hours a day or three hours a day and I still need somebody else in the house with me. Back, you know, we were talking about my knee before and everything. Yeah. You can understand why I can't have an operation or I can't get sick. Like even – 
Doc Kay, so Adrian Kay is my doctor. I was probably crook, oh, not the COVID stuff, the COVID, that was pneumonia, but I just felt crook about three months ago. I said, oh, Doc, I'm not feeling right, blah, blah, blah. And within 24 hours, every test that would normally take six months to do, he pushed and I had them all done and everything came out and it was just a couple of little deficiencies and a few vitamins and stuff like that. And I was fine. So I'm grateful that we have friends that can probably help us, whereas other people not like myself, they might have to wait three and four months to get seen. So that's probably a benefit for us for what we've been through over the last 60 years to build up where we are with friendships and that's stuff. Right. So that, that you know, I mean, like if, when they, I had to do an ultrasound and all this stuff and the guy says, normally takes six weeks to get in here. I've been told to have you here and done in 15 minutes. So that that's a bonus for what we have. But it's also they're all friends with my wife. We've all been to a 50th birthday. They're all there and they're willing to help and that's where we're at. There's a lot of help here. I have a big support area. And that, that's what I keep hearing, you know. It, I know it's its a well-known slogan, you know, it does take a village and it sounds like you've got a bloody cool one. Mm. Oh, but I'm very lucky. So I can have the people at the pub are really good because they just know Antia like Mel and Terry and Phil and Leanne, but the owners of the pub and the people that run the bar, everyone in the pub knows who Antia is. They all say hello to her. They all talk to her. Even at the commercial club, they're the only two places we go because you have to take a lady to the bathroom and we all know that. But then when you, we have our other friends like the, the Stars, the Chalmers, the Ducks and the Lawrences, they'll do anything for Antia. They'll, once a month we go to Baldale or Bethanga for lunch, things like that. And then I've got the others like Alan and, and well, Joy's passed away, so Alan Andres and his family and uh, Lou and Annie Reid and Pat and Lee Scammell. So if I need anything, mm. it's only a phone call away. Yeah. But it's planning it so you know everything. So like next Friday we have a wedding on a Friday, which is a pain because the two girls that would normally do everything are both away and I've got three different people. I've got one person coming out helping to dress her. I've got one person driving us to the wedding. I've got one person picking it up and bringing us home. So because you still have to have a good time when you're there. Does that Of course, so, absolutely. So that's Jeez, there's I'm, a lot of strategic planning, isn't yeah. there? And, and it's, you have that in your job, obviously. But that's where I'm lucky in that yeah. I actually know what I'm doing yep. and I know how it works. And my mind is a weird place, as a lot of people would say. There's a lot of shit in my head and it's only in my head. So we are putting things on whiteboards and around the house and everything else like that. But I know what I can do and I'm probably one of the luckier ones that I can do it. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? It is very hard and... It gets very emotional. My tears, I've, I had them ages ago. They, they're, they're done and dusted now because oh, it's just, yeah. Michael, you seem very resilient, strong. There must be mornings where you wake up and like, we all have them where you, I, I can't do today or, or no, you, I guess I've, you have to. Or that's you, it. And that's the second yeah. one. You've got to. It's the... It's the it's that part of it, and it's like everything for me is all going to blow up when I have to put them in the home. Mm. That's that's the one day in everything that's happened. That's the one day that's got to me because I'm going to tell a little story and don't cry, but you probably will. <laughs> no, I'm being upfront. No, I know that. No, sorry. It's just <laughs> don't be sorry. Don't, no, no, you'll get this. She doesn't want to. She she wants to stay at home forever, and she knows sometimes. So about. Five weeks ago, there's a virus that went around town. A lot of people had the virus. 
and Anthea got it and she was quite sick with the virus. Uh, she was vomiting and then she had diarrhea but didn't know she had diarrhea and so then she was in bed and we had to change the sheets and then we had to have her shower. And she just looked at me and she goes, Honey, I know I've made a mistake. I won't do it again. Please don't put me in a home. And that's the only time in the last 12 months I'd broken down because I'm sitting there at 3 o'clock in the morning. She knows she's done something wrong, but she didn't know what she'd done wrong. And I'm sitting there with my son and we're changing sheets on a bed and putting shit together. And that that's the reality of what we're dealing with. That's the odd one. That was the one that probably got me more than anything else because she knows that she's going to end up in a home but she doesn't want to go there. Does that make sense? Mm, sounds very, sounds very helpless in her. She's I got, yeah. she's as I said, we have always we joked a little bit to start with. Oh, you're acting like a fifteen year old. Mm. You're acting like a twelve year old. But now she's acting like a three year old. Yeah, the because, words, the words she's using. Mm. Please don't do this. Please yeah. don't. Yeah. And it's just going backwards. And and you, what we have learned is that she does talk. She'll pick up on a conversation. So if I'm talking to you now and we're talking about Robbie Jackson, the cricket, oh, yeah, no, Jacko, no worries, and she'll just jump in with little things like that. So that still shows you that there's mm. pieces of normality there. The brain just astounds me. Oh, it, it's a couple other words I can use from it. but Yeah, there's, there's so much unknown of the brain. We mm. all know that. And just to hear some of those things is just a blow away. And um, I, I don't even have words to sum up you know, not just your team, but the inner team, the bloody you and your two boys. Um, we all say we do it and of course we do it, but it's fuck, that must be hard. Mm. Thank you. Uh, so I haven't <laughs> swore yet. That was the first one. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is, but. When you hear the rawness of it, would you agree, Dave? Yeah, like, of course. You know, you, you've been so kind in sharing. It's like. We all know or we th we all think we know, shit, Oodle must be doing it tough with Anthea. But when you start talking about some real life events that happen, you know, I go, how in the hell do you front up and, and do what you do, I irrespective of what your job is? I mean, you've got a, a massive job, but irrespective of what you do, you know, that's right. We all wake up from time to time and don't want to. No, do the day. Yeah. And Southern it's Comfort. Just incredible. How am I going to say? Southern Comfort does help. <laughs> I do drink a fair bit yeah, of that. Yeah. Gambling, I know it's going to sound funny, and that's really bad for me to, you know, probably responsible gambling. I'm not one of those. But I do punt on horses, and we and Auntie's known horses a whole life. So that actually helps a little bit too. Going to cricket, which is a big thing, going to football is a big thing. Uh, spending Sundays, we, we'd always go somewhere for lunch. That was a bit of a shocker too, because we were good friends with Kate Middleton, who passed away out of Bathanga. So we just we, – we plan things and when we're doing something special, we'll talk about it so she knows, oh, oh we're going to Melbourne, we're going to the races, or the Calcutta's on, we're going to the pub, or we've got a wedding. So we'll talk about it So and then she picks up on it. Once she starts talking about it, we know that it's in her mind or, yeah. and it's there. Yeah. And then we keep that process and go from there. Mm. Great that the, the brain still allows her to feel enjoyment and, and excitement and – Absolutely. Considering what it's going through. Yeah, no, no, I accept that. Like when, when the horse, even simple things like at home, if we're feeding the sheep and the alpacas and there's half a dozen kangaroos go through, she'll be excited because the kangaroo's mm. there. And oh, I remember Bippy 
which was the pet kangaroo they had in the bottom pub and they were in Coriong. She just, I said, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> and she'd talk about the kangaroo in Coriong who used to drink in the bar and box people <laughs> and stuff like that for 10 minutes and then it would just disappear again. So they're the things that throw you. Mm. Yeah. Ertl, a few people said, is it Ertl Jack? Is it Oodle Jack? No, well, it's, it's I've ju- rang you that many times and listened to your message on your phone because you never answer your phone. You're not, but well, but you on. always return my call. Thank you. And he clearly states it as Ertl Jack. So yes. if anyone was wanting sound, clarification. He does <laughs> no. sound pretty busy. Yeah. Oh, well. he is, no, no, or, or credit where credit's due. He always returns your call. Don't and, send me a text message because you've got no chance. But yeah. if you ring me, I'll, you'll get a call back. Yeah. So we go last Friday. 220, 230 calls in a day. Shit. Yes. But that's because everyone wanted to know where cricket was. And mm. it's like people don't believe you. I said, well, here's 1126. That's my last phone call because it only hold 100. I think it's 116 numbers for your last phone calls. Mm. And I said, that's since 1126 and it's only 3 o'clock. No, I don't know whether I can handle that. It's, oh, yeah, nah. but. No way. That's, that's, yeah. Most days I'd be 100 calls a day. Shit, good on you. But that's again. But see, I'm old school. I actually talk to people. Mm. All you young generation. I'm the opposite. Yeah, I yeah. hate it. I can't. No, oh, see, I, I, I can't. I can't text anyone. It drives me nuts. I use the phone to talk on. I'll take a photo on it. Like we were in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, and you go out for dinner, and you got you know you got, they want you to take do everything on your phone order. I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> you get the person to come over here. He stands there, reads me out the five specials. I'll pay for something. I'll give him the money. I want the drinks and I'll eat the food. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how I was brought up and you that's how you should do it. Thank COVID for that. Yeah, no, and, and I've got the COVID mm. part and I, I accept that, but I accept the younger generation, but that's why I get the shits with the younger generation. When I was a kid, I had to have a paper run. I had to borrow money to get a bike to do the paper run to get the money to pay back for the bike. Now they can just go and get whatever they want and pay it off over five years or three years. <laughs> we or, were yeah. just talking about that. It drives me nuts. Yeah. We're in the now society. Yeah, I'm over the now society because <laughs> that's the issue with cricket. Oh, now we want to know now. Hang on, you don't play until eleven thirty on Saturday. It's half past one on Thursday, but you want to know where you're playing forty eight hours away. You'll get told in the next thirty six hours where you are in forty eight hours time. That's where that it's works. true. We, Patience. We, is yeah. a virtue that belongs <laughs> yeah. to women, fishermen, and minor mechanics. That's right. I like that saying. Michael, we, f- we finish off um, with a few funny questions, and this season we've, we've changed them up a little bit just to okay, this- so, so we've got a chance to wipe our tears and gather ourselves. Are you a camper or a five-star motel person? Now I'm a five-star motel, not a problem. I used to camp when I was a kid, but seriously, when there's hot water and a drink inside a hotel, I'm in a hotel. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Absolutely. Yep. Lager or craft beer? Neither. Neither. I'm Rum a man. S- Southern comfort. I'm a spirit drinker. So in 50 years' time on your tombstone, if you could put a little slogan up there that represented you or one of your powerful quotes that you wanted to live by, what would it say under your name, Michael? It would come from ACDC. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. That's oh, it. That's all it, it is. Love and, it. And a little can of Southern Comfort. So the, <laughs> the kids know this. At my funeral, they will play four ACDC songs, the last one's a long way at the top, and everyone has to have a can of Southern Comfort. Nice. That's it. Love it. And buried with your patience T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had that in English. I thought you were going to say that one. No, no, I've got that in English and in Chinese. <laughs> yeah, nice. So. Seriously, seriously, and um, you are an incredible person. Don't shake your head saying no. no. It's yeah. it's it's an incredible story of 
a bit of everything, isn't it, Dave? Oh, yeah, it's it's true love, it's resilience, it's you've taken it and you've moved on with it, along with your kids as well and, and your village mm. that follow. But, yeah, I take my hat off to you, Champion. Yeah, Thank well you. done, Michael. No worries, thanks. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.